This episode is dedicated to Oscar from Cameroon. He was kind enough to leave a message on this podcast. I appreciate all the kind words and comments. So, Oscar, this is for you. Enjoy. For today's story, I wanted to show some love to the Eastern Africans. This tale was originally in the Swahili language. Swahili is the primary language of Tanzania and it is also spoken in other East African countries such as Kenya and Uganda. Altogether, there are approximately 50 million speakers of Swahili in Africa today. Like most African folktales, this one was originally transmitted verbally in the African Eastern region and was recorded in writing at the turn of the 20th century in 1901 by Andrew Lang in his book, The Violet Fairy Book. Once upon a time, there lived a poor woman who had only one child, and he was a little boy called Asebu. When he ceased to be a baby, and his mother thought it was time for him to learn to read, she sent him to school. And after he was done with school, he was put into a shop to learn how to sell goods, but he did not want to learn. Then he became an apprentice to make clothes, but he did not want to learn. So he was put to do a silversmith's work and again he did not want to learn. And whatsoever he was taught, he did not learn it. His mother, who never wished for him to do anything he did not like, said, Well, stay at home, my son. And so he stayed at home doing nothing but eating and sleeping. One day the boy said to his mother, What was my father's business? He was a learned doctor, answered she. Where then are his books? asked Asebu. Many days have passed and I have thought nothing of them, but look inside in his private quarters and see if there are some there. That's what his mother said to him, so Asebu looked and saw that most of them had been eaten by insects, except one book, which he took away and read. Asebu had dreams of becoming a physician. He was sitting at home one day, poring over the book, which was, you know, a medicine book, when his neighbours came by and said to his mother, Give us that boy that we may go together to cut wood. For woodcutting was their trade, and they loaded several donkeys with the wood and sold it into town. The mother saw no objection to it, so she answered, Very well, tomorrow I will buy him a donkey, and you can all go together. So the donkey was bought and the neighbours came and they worked hard all day with Asebu. And in the evening they brought back the wood into the town and sold it for a very good sum of money. This they did for six days. But on the seventh day, unfortunately it rained and the woodcutters ran and hid in the rocks. All but Asebu, who did not mind getting wet and stayed out there where he was. 
While he was sitting in the place where the woodcutters had left him, he took up a stone idly, then he dropped it on the ground. It rang with a hollow sound. Surprised, he called to his companion and said, Come here and listen, the ground seems hollow here. Knock again, cried they, and he knocked and listened. Oh, it's the same sound. Let us dig, said the boy. And so the brave woodcutters finally came out of their hiding place and started digging. They found a large pit, like a well, but it was filled with honey to the brim. This is better than firewood, said they. It will bring us more money. And you, as you have found it, Asebu, it is you who must go inside and dip out the honey and give it to us. And we will take it to town and sell it and we'll divide the money with you. Asebu saw no problems with this. So the following day, each man brought every bowl and vessel that he could find at home. And Asebu filled them all with honey. And this he did every day for three months. At the end of that time, the honey was very nearly finished and there was only a tiny little bit left at the bottom. It was very, very deep down, so deep, that it seemed to be right in the middle of the earth. Seeing this, the men said to Asebu, We will put a rope under your arm and let you down so that you may scrape all the honey that is left and when you are done, we will lower the rope again and we will draw you up. Very well, answered the boy. And he went down and scraped and scraped till there was not much honey left. Now I am ready, he cried. But they consulted together and said, Hmm, actually, let us leave him inside there. Isn't he the boy that was very lazy and would not learn a single trade? Hmm, yes, you are right. Let us leave him there inside the pit and take his share of the money. Then we will take his mother... Your son was caught by a lion and carried off into the forest. We tried to follow him, but could not. Unfortunately for Asebu, they all agreed. So they arose and went into town and told his mother what they had planned to say. And she wept much and made her mourning for many months. When the men were dividing the money, some of them started feeling bad. One said, let us send a little to our friend's mother. And then they sent her some money. And every day, one person would bring her some rice and another some oil and another some meat and some cloth. And so they did and looked after Asebu's mother every day. But none of them felt guilty enough to go back and look for Asebu. It did not take long for Asebu to find out that his companions had left him to die in the pit. But he had a brave heart and hoped that he might be able to find a way out for himself. So he at once began to explore the pit and found it ran back a long way underground. By night he slept and by day he took a little bit of honey that he had gathered and ate it so that many days passed but he was still alive. One morning while he was sitting on a rock having his honey breakfast, a very large scorpion dropped down at his feet and he took a stone and killed it instantly fearing that it would sting him. Then suddenly the thought darted into his head. Ah, this scorpion must have come from somewhere. Perhaps there is a hole in this pit, 
I will go and look for it. And he felt all around the walls of the pit until he found a very little hole on the roof of the pit with a tiny glimmer of light at the far end of it. Then his heart felt glad and he took out his knife till the little hole became a big one and he could wriggle himself through. When he had got outside, he saw a large open space in front of him and a path leading out of it. He went along the path on and on till he reached a large house with a golden door standing open. Inside the house, there was a great hall and in the middle of the hall, there was a throne set with precious stones and a sofa spread with the softest cushions. When he went in, Asebu lay down on the sofa and the cushions, not knowing who they belonged to, but he still fell fast asleep because he had wandered so far and he had been so tired. By and by, there was a sound of people coming through the courtyard and the measured tramp of soldiers. This was the King of Snakes coming into his palace. They entered the hall, the king and his people, but all of them stopped in surprise to find a young man lying on the king's bed. The soldiers wished to kill him at once, but the king said, Leave him be, let him alone, put me on a chair instead. And the soldiers who were carrying him knelt on the floor and he slid from their shoulders onto a chair. When he was comfortably seated, he turned to his soldiers and bade them, Wake this stranger, but wake him gently. And they woke Asebu up, and he sat up and saw many snakes all around him. And one of them was very beautiful, decked in royal robes. Who are you? asked Asebu. I am the king of snakes, was the reply. And this is my palace. And you will tell me who you are and where you are from. My name is Asebu. But whence I come, I do not know, nor where to next I go. Then stay for a little while with me, said the king. And he bade his soldiers to bring water from the spring and fruits from the orchard and set them before the guests. For some days Asebu rested and feasted in the palace of the king of the snakes. And then he began to long for his mother in his own country. It had been so long since he had seen her. So he said to the king of the snakes, Send me home, I pray, let me go on my way. But the king of snakes answered, I know this. When you go home, you will do me evil. Uh-uh, I will not do you evil, replied Asebu. Send me home, I pray. But the king said, I know it. If I send you home, you will come back and kill me. I dare not do it. But Asebu begged so hard and for so long and so many times that at last the king said, Swear that when you get home, you will not go to bathe where many people are gathered. And Asebu swore, and the king ordered his soldiers to take Asebu in the sight of his own native city. Then Asebu went straight to his mother's house, and the heart of his mother was glad. Now, the sultan of Asebu city became very ill, and all the wise men said that the only thing that would be able to cure him was the flesh of the king of snakes, and that the only man who could get it was a man who would have a strange mark on his chest. 
So the vizier sent people to watch the public baths to see if such a man ever came there. For three weeks, Astable remembered his promise to the king of snakes and did not go near the baths. Then came a morning so hot he could hardly breathe and he forgot all about the promise. The moment he had slipped off his robe, he was taken to the vizier, who said to him, Lead us to the place where the king of snakes lives. I do not know it, I do not know it, he answered frantically. But the vizier did not believe him and had him bound and beaten until his back was all torn. Then Asebu's heart broke as he cried, Let me loose that I may take you. They went together a long, long way till they reached the pit and then the palace of the king of snakes. And Asebu walked in first in the palace and said to the king, It was not I, it was not I. Look at my back and you will see how they drove me to it. Who has beaten you like this? asked the king. It was the vizier, replied Asebu. Then I am already dead, said the king sadly. But you must carry me there yourself. Nobody else must touch me. On the way, the king said, When I arrive, I shall be killed and my flesh shall be cooked. But take some of the water that I am boiled in and put it in a bottle and lay it to one side. The vizier will ask you to drink it, but be careful not to do so. Then take some more of the water and drink it and you will become a great physician. And the third supply you will give to the sultan. And when the vizier comes to ask you and ask, Did you drink what I gave you? You must answer, I did. This is for you. And he will drink it and die. But your soul should rest, despite breaking your promise. So Asebu cried and carried him all the way. And so they went into the town all the way to the sultan's palace. And all happened as the king of snakes had said. The vizier was dead. But the sultan loved Asebu because he was healed. And Asebu himself became a great physician and cured many sick people. But he always felt sorry for the poor king of the snakes to whom he had broken his promise. too sure how to feel about Asebu. <laughs> I think Asebu, uh, the teacher in me, sees him as this young person who is very academic and needs to be stimulated. So Asebu probably needed to focus on being a doctor as opposed to try out all these different jobs. I'm glad his mother didn't force him. But that's my modern day, modern lens, I think. Being practical, I would have to say that Asebu was very selfish. Um, his mother wasn't rich, his mother was poor. What he should have done is, you know, pick up a trade so that he would bring money home rather than sit and do nothing all day. So that's the first thing about Asebu. I'm just like, mm, I don't know how I feel about you. <laughs> uh, the second thing is the breaking of the promise. Um, yeah, I think the King of Snakes was really kind to him. 
um, really looked out for him and also even when he was caught he still wanted us able to live despite having been betrayed um, so I don't know I, I think the real hero of this story is the king of snakes he had every right to set his army to to kill Asebu right there and then or you know being horrible or mean or whatever but he wasn't he actually looked out for Asebu that's that, that, that's a real king like wow I'm, I'm impressed with him um, if this is the mentality of my Eastern African people kudos to you guys awesome stuff As I said earlier, this story is dedicated to Oscar from Cameroon. He was very kind. He left a message on Anchor. And um, I appreciate, you know, everybody for listening and taking time to give feedback, for commenting, for sharing. It means a lot to me. It encourages me. And also, it, you know, it gives me that bit of a push in terms of visibility and being picked up by other people um, who, you know, listen to the podcast, etc so yeah please continue continue giving me feedback sending me messages and sharing it with friends or people who you know will appreciate it keep doing it um i'm loving it (laughs) all right have a great week people bye Hello Daini, are you okay? I listened to your podcast and it was very interesting and I'm really amazed by how you, you change your, your dynamics with the voice overs and the music tracks. It's really cool. I really love what you do. Keep going and I will be ready whenever I have the time to. I will always have time to listen to your podcast. All right, bye.